You're listening to the Marriage Project Podcast, episode number four. I can't believe it's already April. Like how? How is it already April? It feels like just yesterday this project was launching. But you better believe I'm over here embracing all the blooms we have in California. It's so beautiful. We're so spoiled here in Southern California. So all of you who are still bundled up, your time is coming. Spring is on its way if it's not already made it to you. But speaking of California, today's episode features a local couple. To all of you Southern California listeners, today's featured couple is Andrea and Elliot Johnson. And let me just say, I love these two. They have been so supportive of this project since day one or rather, day one of launching the Instagram. That's actually how Andrea and I connected or met. I started the Instagram page for the project almost a year ago. It was actually on Good Friday that I hit publish and put the first post out there for all the world to see. I don't know why, but for so long, I had such hesitation with putting anything out in public. I had visions and visions and notes and notes and notes written for this project in my notebooks, but when it came down to it, I was so scared to put anything out there to solidify it. It sounded literally like the scariest thing ever for me, but there was something in me. God put it in my heart. He put it there to just finally go for it and create the Instagram page. Just take that small little step. Like, that's all I had to do. And so I did. And I remember I put on a worship song. I prayed through it when I hit post for the first time. I was so nervous. I don't know why I get like that with things like, it's hard things. It's hard to put things that are in your heart out there for the world. So I I give myself a little break, but I did it. And the response to my initial post on my personal page and to the Marriage Project page or the first post on the Marriage Project page was so exciting because people were responding to it. And I even had a few couples reach out and say they'd love to share their marriage story. And if any of those couples are listening, I think there was one from Georgia, New Jersey, and Colorado. I haven't forgotten you. I'd love to still come to you. It's just a matter of time and planning and all that. But that was so exciting to me. That was the Lord. I couldn't make that up on my own. I was like blown away by that. And the thing is, is the encouragement that came from it was so the opposite of what I had imagined happening. In my mind, it was going to be crickets. No one was going to care. Or I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking the worst possible. And that just goes to show, though, that when God puts something in your heart and the vision is truly his, he'll take care of the rest. And the part that's up to us, the part that was up to me, was just listening and doing. And doing the thing he called me to do. Doing the thing he's calling you to do. And listening for the win that green light, and to just go for it when you feel that, and not waiting for perfection or those types of things that trip us up. What I realized in that moment was on the other side of fear was so much goodness, and no wonder the enemy wants to instill fear because there's so much freedom on the other side of it that he does not want us to experience. So if he can paralyze us with fear or intimidation, then he's going to, and it makes me think of that Bible verse that says, 2 Timothy 1.7, I had to look that up. And it's, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And that word timidity, like the opposite of that, like it's, well, not the opposite. It is intimidation. He tries to make us timid by intimidation. And so don't listen to that. Go for it. Whatever God has put in your heart, I'm just here to tell you, just do it. Do the thing and pray about it and watch God just unfold it all. It's so amazing. So that's my little spiel. I bring it back around to this because I wouldn't have met Andrea had it not been for me making the Instagram account, putting it out there. And it also is a testament to how social media can be used for good. I'm just so grateful I did that. If you haven't followed, it is at the Marriage Project Co. Co is at the end of it. You can see what I've posted there and the pictures that go with this podcast if you haven't followed along yet. Yeah, so 
after a few months of creating the Instagram page and having followers trickle in, I had this person start tagging the marriage project and I didn't know who this person was. It made me click on her page. I started reading her captions and I loved what she was sharing. She was sharing pictures of her wedding day and I reached out to her and it was Andrea. I said, hey, like I'd love to have you and your husband on if you're up for it. She said, yeah, she agreed to it. We met our, yeah, we met up. I met her and Elliot at their house. And the rest is history. And they're also the couple who gifted me the mic. And they've just been a soundboard as I have shared with them the hopes for this project. I just am so grateful that they've been there to just support it and be there. So I'm actually going to have Andrea on in a couple weeks. Just her and I just have a conversation to talk more about her ministry and what she's up to. It's awesome to hear these couples and their stories. I love hearing them together, but there's so much more to them. And I'd love for you all to get to know them individually as well. I just... I can't wait for you guys to hear more from her because she has so much to share of things she's gone through and what she's up to and what she's creating. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun. So stay tuned for that. But so you're in for a real treat today with this episode. I love, 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 love what they share. It's just, it's so real and it's so relevant and it's just so good for those who might be listening who are dating or single even who want to be married, but so good to hear some of these practical things that they learned while they were dating. So I just Pray it blesses everyone who's tuning in and enjoy it. welcomed me into their home and took some pictures with me and now we're here we are and um really quick just want to give a back story on how I got connected with Andrea we met through Instagram um and she had commented and tagged the marriage project Instagram account which I launched maybe four months ago I hadn't pulled the trigger on that but I finally did and then her account was popping up and encouraged me and just confirmed things for me. So I reached out to her and she was so sweet. And here we are. Yeah. And they're going to share with us their story, how they met. Um, and I've given them some questions we'll get to um, after they share that part. But I'm going to hand it over. They can introduce themselves. And I'm going to have you guys share with me how you guys met. So go ahead and All right. introduce yourselves. Hello, Marriage Project. <laughs> I'm Elliot. I'm Andrea. And um, we met, or how we met first, right? Yes. Okay. So how did you two meet? Okay. Or where did that a we? moment, where did it happen? Yeah. Okay, well, so... We met in a construction site. <laughs> no, we really? didn't. Really? Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, actually, <laughs> if you want to be technical, we did. Really? To be honest, we right? Did. Okay. But how it all started, we didn't just randomly meet in a construction site. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a sister who lived in California while I lived in Texas. And she texted me one day. I was 13 years old or 12, honestly, probably 12. Oh my God. Because <laughs> we met when we were 13. But she was just like, she was dating this boy, and this boy had a younger brother. This guy this, right here. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the younger brother. Yeah, this is the younger brother. And she's like, I have somebody, like, that would be perfect for you. Oh, and I'm like, I'm only oh. like 13 years old. But she was also young, too. Uh-huh. But um, she's like, I have somebody for you. And, um, you know, he's he's so cute. He's tall. He's, like, he's he's skinny like you. Oh, and my I'm God. Like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, she gives me his number. And, or she gives him my number. I don't know. But we started texting back and forth while I was in, like, the seventh grade. And, um... And then finally, a summer comes. I think I was about to go into high school. Okay. And um, we've, we meet when I go to visit my family in oh. California from Texas. Okay. So you're, I'm sorry, you're in Texas. I'm in Texas. Got we, it, got yeah. it. And now you're, got it. Yeah. So we're living in Texas. We come to visit our family in California, uh, me, my mom, and my other sister. And um, my sister's dating this guy. And so we go visit my sister and her boyfriend and... Um, I met boyfriend's little brother. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this guy. So that's how we met, and they were all like, their party scene was at this place called the construction site. Oh, okay. Where it was like, people were not there at night. Like, it was just still like a work in progress. Whoa, really? It was an abandoned so, construction site. Yeah. No yeah they started building, and the company that the builders there went bankrupt, and so they abandoned the project, and they had these gates oh. up. 
surrounding it, but my buddy, we had stolen uh, keys and stuff for the tractors before they had left, and so we had locks, we had keys to all their locks, and so we would open the gates, drive up to the very back of this uh, construction complex, uh, somewhere back in the hills, so nobody could see us from the street or hear any music or anything, and then we would lock the gates behind us, and that was our party scene. Wait, how old were you then? I was 15. When we oh met, I was... Okay, but that okay. that was the spot for for years. <laughs> That's funny, uh. yeah. So, so we met and we hung out, got like for about a week, and um, then I went back to Texas. Okay, and wait, did you like him? I did. Like he was okay. cute, you know, and he was like fun to hang out with and Be all. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. I thought he was cute, but then like I went back to Texas right. and you know like went on like with life and right. started yeah. high school and. Um, for me, that was kind of it. That was so not it for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Okay, we want to hear your say. Okay, so that's that's how we met. But for me... You saw her and you're like, <clears throat> whoa. That was it, yeah. I was gone. I was... <laughs> Seriously, that was that was it for me. Yeah. And I had... It's hard to explain, but I, I had never been so sure of anything in my life. And uh, it, it, none of it made sense because she lived out of state. We'd only met. And so it wasn't... This teenage puppy love deal. It, I don't. I can't even explain no. it. It makes sense later on in the testimony of how God worked things out. But for me, I, I was sold. It was. It was game over for me. So can you guys share that testimony? I'm sure you're sure. leading up to that. Yeah. Would, yeah. Our stories are totally different because <laughs> I come from two different right. perspectives, and so her version of it, my version yeah. of it, it intertwines beautifully, but it's mm-hmm. so different at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I didn't really like. Went back to Texas, and I didn't... Oh, I have a little voice, so... <laughs> um, we went back to Texas, and I didn't really, like, think much of... Think about him much or anything like that. I just um, went on with life, and and then my dad got a job in California. And um, so we moved after my freshman year... Um, so literally like a year and a half after okay. we met, okay. you know, we, we moved to California and, um, I'm just thinking like, you know, I'm just moving to California. I didn't really uh-huh. think much about him, but go ahead and share your part. <laughs> so I was, I was totally sold from the day we met mm-hmm. and, uh, I got a MySpace. Let's go back in time. Yeah, go. <laughs> We're time travelers. So I, I created a MySpace just to keep in contact with her. And I was, it was creepy a little bit because that was the only reason I got one. And it's because I liked her so much. And I, I would print out pictures from her MySpace and keep them in my folder at work oh, and in my wallet at right. school. I forgot about totally that. Totally creepy. Like, I'm like, right. wait, what are you talking and about? And my locker at school, everything. This is, yes, high school. Oh, my God. And so I was totally sold. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it was, uh, you didn't move out here until I was 17. So there's a two-year time gap in there so I, I think I was I was 15 okay. and then he was 17 okay when and you moved out here but we met when earlier. you were 13 yes. and I was 14 15, 15. Okay. yeah so you know freshman year sophomore year um I, I had quote unquote like girlfriends in between okay. but I never really took it serious because I didn't really care mm-hmm. uh, because I liked my wife so much oh. And so for me, like, it didn't really make sense to have a girlfriend when I liked her so much. Right. And that, that honestly saved me from so much heartache because I never really saw a point in relationships. Because mm-hmm. to me, I was already sold. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was it was kind of weird because I had pictures of her in my room and my folder and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was, what kind of hurt was that she didn't really even acknowledge my existence. And it didn't... It, I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And why would she, right? There was right. no... I had nothing to mm-hmm. offer. There was There was no... Like relationship there, right. right? And it was just like a cute thing. She would come out and visit, and we would hang out. You know, was it once a year, or twice a year, or something? Yeah. And so for her, it was just like my sister's little boyfriend's little brother. Right, right. And uh, but for me, it's totally different, totally opposite. And so part of my story is, uh, I had, I'd started praying uh, before I had give my life to Christ or anything. And I'm like, God, I, I had seen so many broken relationships. I come from a broken home and I just wanted this one thing to work in my life. Like if nothing else, I want this to work. And so I began to pray for the quote unquote perfect woman. Right. And, uh, in my mind, I had convinced myself that it was never going to work out between us, even though I had, I didn't know it at the time, but I had 
sort of been saving myself for her. And it didn't really make sense. And it, those things just over the course of two years just really got to me. And I began to not care anymore. And it really hurt. But at the same time, um, I, I really wanted something solid in my life. I wanted some kind of foundation to build a life on. And uh, so I had met a girl that met like 90% of the criteria I had been praying for, but it still never felt right. It was really weird and awkward. And I knew that I couldn't be totally given to this person because I still loved Andrea. Mm -hmm. And I, I began to pray some more, and I'm like, God, I just need an answer. And I woke up in the morning. It was nothing special. I went to my buddy's house. He lived two doors down. And uh, his mom made his breakfast, and we went to his buddy's house. That His uncle was out of town, so we were kicking it at his house watching. And uh, so my buddy called me. And he's like, hey, um, I'm trying to pick up a sack. I was a drug dealer. So I was like, come through, man. And so he came through. And uh, just do that right, let's just it's salting hey, the oats, right? The way. right? So, we'll get into more of that later. And so, I get in the car, and the uh, and for whatever reason, everything just went dead quiet. Uh, people are still talking, we're farting around, making jokes, and whatever, but uh, all of a sudden, like all audio just blanked out for me. Uh, they're laughing, talking, and I can't hear anything. And I'm looking at them like, Is am I the only one freaking out right now? And I wasn't high. I, I'd never done any drugs. Sold a lot. Never did them. As interesting as that is. And so I was totally sober. But I was starting to get a little bit scared because it was like a scene in a movie where everything just kind of goes blank. And I look over at the radio. My buddy had already turned his truck off, put his keys in his lap. There's no music on. I look over at his radio and it lights up and it has my wife's name in it. Whoa. Big bold letters. D-R-E-A. It just says Drea. And it freaked me out. And I'm looking around like, does anybody else see this? Is anybody looking? And uh, so I'm kind of looking around and I blink and then it's gone. Oh and everything kind of like a movie, like, vroom, and it comes oh. back. And it freaked me out because I'm not saved at the time. I had no idea that God did that kind of stuff. And so I ended up calling my girlfriend and I'm like, we have to break up. I don't know what's going on. Right. And it's totally heartbreaking because I'm not, I, I want to say I'm not that kind of guy, but I totally was. Well, that was me, right? It's not you, it's me, right? At least you did that, though. Right. Yeah. Later on or string along. Yeah. Right. So that that's kind of how it started for me and how God kind of confirmed it to me, even though none of it made sense. I wasn't even saved yet. None of it, I, I, like I said, there's some things that God does that I can't articulate all right. the way, mm -hmm. but that's what did it for me. And that's when I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that she was it. And she still did not acknowledge my existence. Honestly, it's faith. So, yeah, right. it is faith. faith. It is faith. It took me a while. Um, so I have a question really yes. quick. Did yeah. you, how long did it take before you shared that information with her? Because you can't just go in with that, right? right? Because, again, you might freak her out because you were freaked out. Yeah. So was there a moment? I don't want to cut you off. No, okay, go ahead. But yeah. yeah. So was there a moment like where you finally, oh, yeah, go ahead and share what you were going to say. Okay, because you well, said you hadn't acknowledged. When did you? Person. When did I don't you remember honestly. I I kept it really close to though. the chest because stuff like that just doesn't happen right. frequently. I think I think when he told me, I didn't believe him. I right. think if if I recall correctly, I'm like okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, we're like been uh, dating though. I'm sure. Um. Okay. So I moved out here. Um. He did ask my dad's permission to date me when I was about 16. Okay. And my dad said no, and um. And I was a little bit bummed, but I think more so, if I'm being really honest, it wasn't more so because I like, liked and really wanted to be with him. Right. It was like we had just moved to California. Like I didn't have like any friends really. I wanted just something like that was like my own, that was like fun, that was like some sort of security, some sort of, you know, value, whatever, right. uh, value giving. Um, um, so I'm really thankful that he said no. <laughs> but um, so he said no, and then I was like, all right, you know, I was bummed, but went on. And um, so he kind of, like, pursued for from 16 to, like, 18. Okay. And um, Pursued as in, were you just asking her out? Like, and how you... would you explain pursued? Like I said, I was sold. So everything in me was, you know, it's all or nothing. This right. is it. There's... It was in your mind. It didn't take matter how long it would take right right I even wrote a poem and one of the lines in the poem was something to the effect of if I have to wait until she's 18 I'll wait mm -hmm. and yeah. oh how sweet but her <laughs> her dad didn't just say no 
It wasn't just like, you know, I don't think it's a good time. He wasn't soft, sweet. He, I mean, he was a DI in the military. Okay. So it... Marine Corps. <laughs> right. And so his response was, no, you're just a punk kid that likes my daughter. Mm. And he had every right to say that. And he was absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I don't know if he knew it at the time, but I was homeless. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I got kicked out for selling drugs. And, uh, you know, I had nothing going for my life. So he had every right to say scoot along child get out of here I'm protecting my daughter uh and but for me what what that spoke was I need to get my poop in a group I I can't (laughs) be like this forever yeah and when I asked him again once I started working he said no you're you know you're working part-time you can't support yourself you know you there's there's no way there's no way and one thing he said to me the second or third time I asked was I will. I cannot allow my daughter to date somebody as insecure as you. Wow. Hmm. And uh, and he used his di voice. It wasn't like he's speaking to me. <laughs> he's he dad. right. Whoa. And he's no joke. Love him now. Don't get me wrong. We have a great relationship now. But the reason we do is because he wasn't yeah. w- just like God's love. He's not willing to settle for anything less. And he's yeah. like, no, there's no way. God's best. And I think he really put that in my wife, and that's what challenged me to grow up. You know, you, you're not going to be this insecure child. And no, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And so there was at one time where I had like seven jobs, and I had been praying and praying and praying, and God was like, you want a job? Have seven. Wow. And so I began to pray, like, well, I need a career because this isn't working. Yeah. And uh, he did that. He opened the door. I began working part-time uh, reading gas meters. And from there I began to work full-time installing them. And right about that time is uh, when I approached him again and said, Hey, I'm kind of getting things together. And this whole time he's watching, he saw me get saved and, you know, we're going to the same church now. So he's watching my life, uh, transform. Mm -hmm. I mean, he saw me come in the church with nothing but a backpack Mm -hmm. and that's literally all I owned into, uh, you know, being totally independent on other people for everything uh, to not really having a, a mom or a dad or a family because, like I said, I got kicked out into kind of this transformation and how I grew and I got my own apartment. I'm like, hey, I live in the ghetto. It's okay right now. It's just <laughs> me. Um, but there's no way I want to bring your daughter into that situation. So save her for me. And he's like, no, there's no way. He's like, no, no, no. You know, if, Reserved. <laughs> right, yeah. But he said, no, not going to happen. You know, grow up, get it together. Mm-hmm. And it really challenged me to do that. And I wouldn't have known how or why to otherwise. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's <laughs> really good. Anyway. Oh. Huh? Guys, you hear that? Right. Oh, yeah, guys. Yeah. And that's, that's one reason I like to work with the youth so much mm-hmm. is because people didn't give me an excuse or a reason and you're not a victim. And it was take personal responsibility for your life and, and grow up. You know, tighten your belt, put some boots on, go to work, kid. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's how my dad raised me. And, you know, that's very similar to how my wife's dad was. And so it it resonated with me very well. My pastor is very much the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even up to the point where two years into my salvation, I was 18 and he pulled me in his office and said, you're different. Okay. There's not a lot of teenagers that come here. that don't have parents. Some of them were raised here. There's, you have a unique situation saying that go home, forgive your dad. Mm -hmm. And my answer is nope, I'm leaving. And uh, so I got up to get out of his office and he said, fine. And so right before slamming the door, uh, he said, you're a runner. I was like, what do you mean I'm a runner? And I about cussed him out in his office. And uh, I was so mad because it was so true. And I had run from everything in my life. And uh, he said, it doesn't matter where you run. You got to take you with you. And he left his door open. <laughs> and so I sat back down and started weeping and said, it's time to forgive your dad. So that's kind of how it worked out for me. And, and what caused me to grow and change and mature and take responsibility and work so hard just to get to like, it's funny because my pastor said, sometimes people are so low, they got to look up to see the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was. And so I had to get just to zero, mm-hmm. like just to zero. And for me, that was like the biggest accomplishment of my life was just to get to like ground level. I can be sufficient in my little studio compartment, call it a compartment because it wasn't an apartment. It was smaller than this room. <laughs> And uh, that was about the size. <laughs> it was. This thing was like 400 square feet or something. So like you could reach and touch the other wall. But that that's kind of how I began. And that's that was my pursuit for my wife and mm-hmm. what I felt was my quote unquote reasonable service. Mm-hmm. Not because I wanted to be impressive. I just I really wanted to be 
the man that God needed me to be to take responsibility for my own life and thereby being trustworthy enough to take on the responsibility of another. Dang, I think we can just like wrap up right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, about 18 is when he kind of like came back to me and okay. was like, hey, I've got my life together and like, like kind of like, this is what I have, this is what I've done. And, um, and from the time of like 16 to like 18, we had like, like, like we had interest in each other. And so, um, we had hurt each other. He had hurt me. I, I mean, I had hurt him, but him more so me <laughs> just like, just attempting to make something work. And then like, I would kind of like fall for him a little bit, right. but he wasn't out of place yet in his life, either like emotionally, spiritually, or even like just financially personal responsibility, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. way where he could handle the heart. Right. of a woman, you know? And so I, it was just, there's a lot of hurt in between. And so by the time I was 18, um, when he, we were actually at a place where we could, you know, pursue a real relationship, um, essentially I just had to forgive him, you know, for things and, um, decide that I was gonna, um, just forgive and work it, work it out. Yeah. And, um, my story is, is that I never wanted to get married young. Really? <laughs> yeah, because a lot of women um, in the, around me, they got married young and just had a bunch of kids. And yeah. I don't know, I just, I had in my mind to go to college and travel the world mm-hmm. and um, and just not get tied down. That, that was my mindset. I know, terrible, but that was my mindset. I was just not get tied down. And um, I didn't want to just get married and then like just be like, behind my husband the whole time well, that's, a, that's how I like that's a smart reasoning yeah because I think some people think oh I can get married and do all those things yeah but it might yeah so you were just thinking yeah that yeah and um so I actually I remember telling my mom I was like I don't want to get married young and like but I feel like this is the one like I feel like I really do like I feel like this is the one but I'm not sure and she encouraged me to pray specifically mm-hmm. um pray specifically about it and so I did and I was like okay God if he's the one I pray that you will speak to me through this specific person it was actually my matron of honor I was telling you about her earlier Mm -hmm. and um I was like have her just confirm it like Mm -hmm. just her have her say something that just confirms that like um that he's the one for me and literally like the next day or two days later she said something and she said something like like I, I love you guys together or I love him for you or something yeah. like that I don't know and I'm like what? okay god okay yes. <laughs> and um so I came to him and I was like all right I'm I'm I literally feel like in obedience to God and I, I did really genuinely like like him and I had interest in him but my heart was like stubborn honestly stubborn to I didn't want to forgive I didn't want to um essentially like submit to the plan God had for me because I was prideful Mm -hmm. um but I told him I was like I honestly believe God confirmed to me that you are for me and the time is now and so I'm choosing to forgive you and move forward and work things out and so that's kind of how we started from there (laughs) dating and yeah so how are you feeling Elliot uh, at that time? Yeah, were you like, whoa, like, like, Oh no, that was one of the most. Soaring? No, Excited? not at all. Oh, no, okay. no, no. Uh, that was one of the most heartbreaking times of our life because I had royally blown it. Mm-hmm. Terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, so her saying that, it crushed me even more mm-hmm. because something in me said, uh, it's true, you're not worthy. You're not worth it. You're a coward. I mean, all these things were running through my head and all of it was true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so her saying that, um, I think, broke me even more. And it wasn't like this victory dance. It was, there was a lot of times where I'm like in her driveway begging her to take me back because I had royally blown it. And her dad kicking me off the driveway. Like, go home, dude. It's two in the morning. I wake up. You're on my driveway, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. get out of shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys both had this word spoken. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Yours through your matron of honor. Yeah. And yours through that. Well, I'm sure there are other things too. Yeah, along the that. way. Yeah. So what, after that point, got you guys to that place, finally, of the proposal? You don't have to go. I'm, mm-hmm. I would love to hear that story. But, yeah, 
you don't have to get into all those details if you don't want to. But mm-hmm. yeah, how did you guys get from that place to the next? If there's someone listening even that is like, dang, that's so where we're at okay. right now. Um, yeah, so I think it was just submitting to like what we genuinely believed was God's will for us. Because mm-hmm. we even heard it a lot. Like, okay, so we started dating when I was 18. Um, and then we got engaged when I was 19. So okay. we dated for a short while because we, we knew each other for a long while already. Right. And um, so we dated for a short while and we heard from a lot of people like, you're so young, like you have right. your whole life ahead of you. And I'm like, I already like believed those things, you know, <laughs> so I didn't really need to hear it. But um, so we started dating and um, just submitting to, like I said, what we both genuinely believed was God's will for us. And um, and it was honestly both, it was like just a, um, a posture of humility. Right going so forward we're working through things things like hurts yeah and past hurts and and yeah. still dating yeah yet working through hard things yes yeah because a lot of people say like the first year of marriage is the hardest but I feel like our year of dating was the hardest which is like really weird but I feel like we dealt with a lot of hard things on the front end right. so that like our year of marriage was like awesome <laughs> yes I, I fully believe that yeah so. like we didn't have like a blissful like amazing like romantic dating experience which is really weird I think but it didn't like it didn't sway us because we already knew right you know so it was just like okay now the work is beginning it was really gritty it wasn't like blissful and yay let's skip through a field and rainbows and roses (laughs) and unicorns and cookies it wasn't it wasn't and you're learning each other too Mm -hmm. probably right in a different capacity or a different way I guess right and I think the perspective I was coming from was my parents got divorced when I was two, so I always wanted something real. And to me, that something real uh, was being married or having a family. And, and um, you know, the reason I got saved wasn't because I heard this incredible story of a Savior that loved me. It's, uh, you know, I, I was living at my brother's house because, against his better judgment, I was a homeless kid on the street selling drugs. And he was like, dude, you can't live this way. And so surf on my couch, um, but the condition is that you're going to act right and come to church. And uh, for the first time in my life, I heard a message about family. And it, what struck me was that, like Paul says, there's a more excellent way. And it was the first time I ever heard that. And that's what drew me into Christ. Uh, and, you know, my salvation spe- experience wasn't all that either. You know, the stars and rainbows and cookies and like the Holy Ghost just filled me. And it, it wasn't, I was just broken before God. So, go ahead. No, go ahead. Are you, are you done with that or no? Yeah, go ahead. Whatever okay. you're going to say. Um, no, I was just going to say, like, uh, talking about, like, the work beginning in our relationship, um, when we started dating, um, we just started asking, like, hard questions of each other. Um, that's what our dating experience was, honestly. Um, it was, like, really against the grain, and we weren't just falling in love. We were, like, eyes wide open, like, I don't know. Right. What was one of the, do you guys remember, like, a question that you guys? Well, one of the things, I want to preface it by saying Drea was my idol. Um, because I was, I had already settled my heart before I even got saved that she was it and she was all that mattered in life. And so coming from that perspective, uh, she was like it, like life was, this was it. And so part of the reason God totally catastrophed, if that's a verb, Mm. our, our relationship was because I held Drea on this pedestal above God. I'm like, God, I don't care if you and I work out or if I stay in this church, I just want this. Mm. And coming from that that hole in my heart that I wanted to be filled with her, uh, of course I know now God's like, you're, you're trying to fit a cylinder into a square hole, stupid, stop it. Yeah. So coming from that and her asking some of those hard questions is what really brought some of these things to the surface. Do you remember mm-hmm. the questions that were? <laughs> yeah, so um, I had read a book. It was called For Women Only, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the author, but... Um, it basically, I, I think I was kind of naive growing up in a Christian church. I kind of just thought like Christian men were really, really honorable and like they kept their eyes, you know, to themselves. They didn't struggle with lust. They didn't like, you know, do all these, they, you know, they would, I just, I think I've, I esteemed godly men a lot um, and just thoughts like that never crossed my mind. But um, as I dove into like learning about, um, relationships and um and just reading a a bunch I realized um that this is how God wired men they're visual and um but realizing that sin and um the world really 
distorts and perverts that wiring. Um, and so I was, it really just opened my eyes and I was like, oh boy, um, is this something that he struggles with? Like currently or ever? Or, I mean, so I just asked the question, um, one day and, um, I asked if, um, if he was currently viewing pornography or if he ever struggled with lust or something like that. And I think the first time I asked it, I think he told me like, no, I think, um, initially he was like, you know, like once a, like, you know, back in the day, like when, like, you know, here and there, um, but then we had gotten into it about something and I asked the question again, like well, really. The, the follow-up question is what pushed Humpty Dumpty over the bridge? What do you mean? The wall. Because the follow-up question was, okay, you struggled with it in the past. Define the past. Yeah. And uh, that's what kind of broke me. It's because uh, for me, it had been a struggle. I didn't even know it was a struggle before I got saved. It was just normal right, stuff. Right. It's glorified. Right. Right. Um, and I was, I was severely like tortured and bullied as a kid. And one of those things was, um, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. Like I was forced to watch pornography and these teenagers thought it was the greatest thing ever. And, um, yeah, it was devastating. And so it's something I struggled with even through after getting saved. And, um, you know, they they say the first step to freedom is admitting it. The the problem with me was I was admitting it to God. I'm like, I have this problem. I want to stop. I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. Um, but the issue wasn't between me and God. Um, and that's where I wanted it to stay. Like, God, just free me from this. And it sounds silly. It's like, well, just stop. I I hate when people do that. Uh, cause it it was, it's more than just a physical thing. It, It really was, it felt like this 800 pound gorilla that would just show up and, like you can't fight this thing and so uh, the problem is I never told anybody totally secret hidden by this time I'm in ministry I'm I'm serving in the church I'm I'm, I'm doing these different things and so I was a since I was a good runner I was also a very good hider and so I I learned to hide a lot of things growing up Um, especially coming from a divorce background you get to hide a lot of emotions and, and never let a lot of things show and so I got professional and so when she asked is when I finally had to be honest with somebody. And I think that's what broke me is because for the first time in my life, I really had to open up and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I forget my, my answer, but it, it had to be something recent. And mm-hmm. that was totally devastating to her. Mm-hmm. And cause here I was this guy, this up and coming guy in the church. And it was like, Oh, look at this kid. He came in here homeless and look what he's doing now. And God's using his life. And, He's got a good job now, and, and look, he wears a tie. Yeah. Um, and so I had the facade down. You know, I was, yeah, I could quote scripture, and I read my Bible, and I come to prayer, and people see me, and yeah. Which totally, th- that's why I was so thrown. Right. Like, gotcha. You know, because <laughs> you did, he had it down. So it was, it was, it was devastating for me. Um, it's like a sucker Yeah. Like I've had this before. Right. Yeah, and um, so... After that, he he confessed it to me, and then like we we worked through it. I mean, I I struggled a lot, so it wasn't like oh it's okay, you know I forgive you, we'll work through it. I was you know I was really upset. Like it was over. I just felt like we were done. And trust. I just lost. yeah exactly. Yeah. I just felt like like violated. I like believed you to be a certain person this whole time, and then how do I know what to believe now? Like how do I know going forward that you are still um, that how I know how do I know going forward that who you are really, you know, I believed you were a certain person this whole time. So how do I know what to believe? Um, anyway, so, um, we kind of dealt with it for a little bit to our, between us. And then, um, I told him, I was like, you need to talk to a man. You need to talk to our pastor. And so he did, he talked to our pastor and, um, which I know was really hard for you. Yeah. I, I cried like a, um, bunch of adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. No, I, and it was one of the only times I really ever truly cried because now I had to go before this man who I loved and cherished, not as just as a pastor, but like as a father figure. And, uh, I didn't know how to, how do you ease into that conversation? You know? And, Oh, Hey, by the way, no, I, I just sat down and I started crying and he was like, Whoa, what's happening? And, uh, I said, there's no easy way to go about this. So I'm just going to go ahead and shotgun it to you. And uh, he was totally blown away, just like Drea was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, here's this kid that I thought mm-hmm. was doing great. And who knew the struggle? And But he's a pastor. So it's like, 
Yeah, you not know, it wasn't Christ. his first rodeo. Right. So, so, so he gave me some advice. He prayed with me, and uh, uh, he's he gave me some direction. One of my, my the best man at my wedding and my best friend now helped me through some of the struggles. And uh, what freed me was one not just admitting it to God because you know surprise he's under the impression that he's God and knows everything. <laughs> so, uh, it was admitting it out loud and confessing it, literally confessing it. And I didn't know that's what it was at first, but so that evening, um, or maybe it was a couple days later during church service, um, I'm, I'm at the altar just broken and weeping and he comes over and, um, he just prays for me. And part, the first part was confessing it. The second part was saying, no, like I can't do this anymore. And it was the first time that I ever felt slightly empowered enough to not do it. And, uh, I felt like literally I felt something in my spirit break like a chain was starting to break. Um, and that couple days later at the church service, um, pastor praying for me is what literally set me free. And I'd never felt, even at salvation, I didn't feel something set me free as, as powerful and trying to explain that to, to Drea. And she was like, get out of here, fool. Oh, now you're delivered, right? Get out of here. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. For me, it was so real. And right. she was like, shut your dirty mouth. You know, yeah, how dare you come in? You're such a coward. And all of it was real. I'm like, you're, you're right. You're so right. I'm sorry. And she's like, get, get out of here. You know, unworthy. No, I, <laughs> Unclean. No, but it was just, and so then um, from there, I, um, I had a hard time dealing with it on my own. Um, well, actually, so he, he, my pastor brought us together and was like, okay, are you guys still going to move forward? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll, I forgive him. We'll work through it. And I'm like, what? And, um, and then I actually ended up talking to my matron of honor about it who had been through a similar situation. And that was totally like, that's what got me through it pretty much. That's what helped me no, to forgive him. It, yeah. yeah. And she helped me just to like, um, yeah, just to perspective, right. you know, and, um, that was kind of yeah. yeah well, that story. one of the I wanted to throw this into for anybody that might be struggling with it. Mm-hmm. The way that my pastor put it to me was Jesus is radical about your salvation. You should be too. Mm. Uh, so that mean meant every piece of electronic equipment in my apartment was now gone. Mm. Uh, if I needed to yeah. check out a bank statement, if I needed to pay a bill, if I needed uh, my smartphone now became a dumb phone. Mm-hmm. Everything, um, no Wi-Fi, nothing. You got nothing. Like right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If you need to do something like that, have somebody else there, use somebody else's equipment, do it at work, you know, something. And right. And so that's, that's what really, really made the difference was being radical about it. Cause it is, it's that serious. It really is. And even Mm -hmm. now my wife and I share an iCloud account. So literally anything and everything I do from my phone, she can see, hear, touch, feel, all of our photos are synced. Um, She can look through my browser history, everything. And it's not because she doesn't trust me. It's a built trust through that. And now it's it's funny because one of the jokes we say if I leave my phone out, and she's like, hey, can I use your phone for something? I say, yeah, just don't go through my text messages. <laughs> and it's it's like this cute little, you know, funny thing. But but the truth is the deliverance was that powerful that I mean, we can speak about it now. Yeah. And But it was because we were radical about it and it wasn't just like this cutesy like, oh, you know, it's fine. You know, we'll just work. Through. Everybody does it. It's, it, it yeah. wasn't, no. It's, it, there was no... Uh, there was no slack about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is gone or I'm gone. That's it. And even to this day, to be honest, um, we talk about it. Not yeah. not the past, but um, it's not like, oh, you were delivered. Okay, good. Let's never talk about it again. Let's move on with our lives. It's, right. it's, it's a continuing it's conversation. It's a continual conversation of like, how you doing? Yeah, you know, um, mm-hmm. and we do it often. It's just to right. just maintain it. and Even a daily thing, um, yeah. wives, this is okay to do because he is your husband. Ask him how he did with his eyes that day. It may sound really cheesy or you might be scared, but you know it, that's, that's what delivered me. And that's something that keeps me honest because how are you going to lie to your wife's face now? Um, I was good at that before, but I mean, God, no, I've... Man, oh man. I think there's an app actually called Covenant Eyes. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, but awesome. again, you, have, you can download that app, but if you don't... Right. Use right. it. Or yeah. if you're on your phone, the temptation's there. Yeah. Still, there's yeah. that built-in accountability. One of the issues with me is I put I put every web browser blocker thing that I could right. imagine and, you know, jumbled yeah. passwords and yeah. all kinds of stuff. I just found ways around it because right. I had never confessed it to anybody. Right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So, you guys, that was 
still dating. Uh-huh. You ha- were you engaged yet? Or that came after that? We got engaged after that. Okay. So you guys were engaged, got married. Yeah. How many years? Or was it years or months or... About two years. How soon after? Okay. About two years. Yeah. Yeah, we dated for about a year and then... It was about a year and a half. Okay. Give or take-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you guys in- were engaged. So how did you propose? Oh, you can... Still, yeah. Is that a long story? No, it's not. It's a, it's a super quick story. It's not exciting at all. Um, I'm not so thought to be, thought to be mean. And... Um, but, um, I like that, though. I could not be surprised. So every attempt he made, like, I found out. So he did really try to be cute. Um, but they didn't work out. So I ended up just being, um, on a day I came downstairs and my niece was having her third, well, my, my family was having my niece's third birthday party at my mom's house. And in between cake and presents, he got down on one knee and gave this like cute little speech in front of mm. all of my friends, our friends and family. And half of them didn't speak English. Like, <laughs> half, man. And, you know, her Why do I feel like done. I knew the story? Did I you just did it recently. Okay. Yeah. You did. I was like, I read this story. Yeah. So yeah. I knew that. Okay. That I had a speech hilarious. written out and everything. And, yeah. you know, my heart's pounding. And these, you know, a bunch oh of her family God. doesn't speak English. Like, so I'm like, hi. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. So I said yes. And that was pretty much it for That's our amazing. proposal. <laughs> okay. I love that. I could just, I want to keep going. Because I'm sure you guys have so many, yeah. like, things to spew truth nuggets this is all preliminary we haven't got into marriage yet well we can we can do a part two let's do a part two (laughs) no i'm serious because we have i'm trying to keep these at a certain time just so we can get through things but if you guys want to start or like allude to that Mm -hmm. um i know you guys had some questions you talked about prayed about went over um (laughs) uh what was that elliot it's a Dr. Dre and Elliot story. Story? Yeah. What's that? Oh, you from... Know Dr. Dre's? I know who Dr. Dre is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, is Elliot's story from... Oh, no. E.T.? No, it's fine. Oh, I don't know who Elliot's story is. Name, so. oh, oh, that's what she told me. I, told her I know who Dr. Dre is, though. Um, so we're going to get into the marriage story for the marriage project, but that was, yeah, really good. So we can consider... That was a wrap on story. just part one, but it's just so rich, and I know that that's going to just speak into somebody's life. Okay, so I'm going to hand it back over to Andrea and Elliot and have them share their part two of their marriage story. Mm -hmm. So they've shared with us how they met. They shared how God spoke to them to confirm that they were the one for each other and then how they were led to work out some of the hard things before they were married, how they began dating. And we are going to hear from you guys now about, we heard your proposal story too. So yeah, you shared or you said something about the conference, Elliot. I'm intrigued. Can we jump (laughs) into it right there? Is that a good segue? We're good. So one of the things that really helped me, I kind of mentioned it earlier in part one that uh, Drea was my idol, and that was that's all I really cared about. And one of God's specialties is tearing those down. And so we were at a Bible conference one year, and it's supposed to be this great week of this exciting, you know, what God's doing, and there's 17 sermons, and it's just this Bible-packed, Holy Ghost-filled time. Uh, for me, it wasn't that. Uh, I was We were in the midst of the total breakdown and chaos of our relationship. One of the last nights of conference, they're announcing these couples that are going to be missionaries or go pioneer churches in these cities and all these great things that are about to happen. And for me, I wasn't excited at all. I, I couldn't be more down. And I remember sitting in my chair while everybody's standing clapping and I began to cry because everything in my life was falling apart while I'm watching these people getting ready to do... Couples. <laughs> these couples getting ready to do great things that God's called them to. And I remember weeping and I watched this big alligator tear fall towards the ground. And it's one of those moments again where time just stopped. And I watched my tear just kind of hang in the air. And God spoke to me, is my grace not sufficient? And what he was really getting at is, why aren't I enough? And the the answer, honestly, God likes rhetorical questions. And the answer, if I'm honest, was you're not. You're not enough because she's what I want. And he knows that, and that's why he asked. And so he follows it up and says, is she not safe in my hands? Man, the rhetorical questions. And of course, of course, God, she's safe in your hands. And that was the end of the conversation. And I knew, 
I, I had to let this thing break because the, the more I tried to struggle to put it back together and hold it, the more it crumbled and fell apart. And it felt like sand just running through my hands and there was nothing I could do to keep it together. And so at that point, God totally broke me and told me it's done. This is game over. You're finished. You have to let it break. And yeah. that's what did it for me. And it was when I finally surrendered that, that he began to restore our relationship when I yeah. finally let go. Good. Yeah. So you guys weren't married yet. No, yeah. So that was before we were dating and um, in the in between, you know, um, before we started working things out. And um, it's funny that because when he finally let go, I we didn't find this out until literally like a couple months ago mm. that we had a moment at the same moment. So I remember looking over across the the it was in a ginormous like circus tent. The conference was. Uh-huh. Um, so I remember looking over like across the way. And seeing him in his chair while everybody's standing, applauding and praying and um, praising God. And he's just sitting in his chair with his knees on his, his hand, his elbows on his knees. And I'm standing and, you know, with everybody, but I look over at him and for the first time, like I see humility in him. Mm. And that's what like, my heart just opposed him like the whole time until that very moment. Like I just... I just saw, like, I just saw humility in him for the first time. And I remember, like, my heart was, like, endeared towards him. Mm. Like, in that moment. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, and it, we weren't talking That's at that strange. time. We weren't even, like, sitting next to each other. We knew each other, but we weren't sitting next to each other. We came from the same church mm. um, in this, you know, fellowship of all these churches converging. Um, so typically you would sit next to each other, but we weren't talking at that time. And, um, so it was just in that moment that was for both of us, him, he, he surrendered. And in that moment I saw humility in him mm-hmm. and my heart softened. And that's when we started working things out. That's like it. The wow. moment. Yeah. So that was the moment. Yeah. And then you guys spoke about in the first part, those hard questions Did those come after that. Yes. Right. So then you had to work through all of that. Yeah. And then you guys got through that. And you guys, you proposed, Elliot, mm-hmm. and then you guys got married. Mm-hmm. Where did you guys get married? Um, in a, just a, or actually our local church, <laughs> duh. Um, we got married in our church that we go to now, uh-huh. and then um, we had our reception just down the street, so it wasn't anything like crazy, That's extravagant, awesome, but we had all our friends and family, and yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that um, our pastor really, really drilled into us and really spoke to us about is... Marriage isn't a wedding, mm-hmm. so you guys can go bonkers Today. and do whatever you want to do within yeah. boundaries, of course. Right, right. You know? uh, but he said this this isn't just a wedding. Mm-hmm. You have to prepare for a lifetime with each other. Mm-hmm. He said, so don't get so focused on this one thing that it becomes the main thing. Mm-hmm. And he really uh, asked us and challenged us to prepare for a lifetime of marriage together. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we kept in focus, tried to keep in focus the whole time of planning this thing and at the very end it was finally like just get this over with you know? <laughs> who cares about weddings yeah. we just want to, to be honest right. yeah. yeah no it's true because so much emphasis can be placed on the wedding day right and it's just one day and then what about the marriage yeah. Right. yeah so what about the marriage so you guys have walked through hardships you said your first year of marriage though was it was fun a fun yeah. time like yeah let's talk honestly, about that how would you guys experience that first year of marriage time for some sunshine right yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay like I I want all the parts so yeah. um so yeah it was honestly it was fun it was like it was like a sleepover with your best friend every night yeah and, um, that's fun. with benefits oh my gosh <laughs> so you guys did wow. wait till marriage yes right. yeah awesome. yeah yeah, so Absolutely. exactly. It, it, we, you know, we enjoyed it. I think probably the hardest part was just learning how to live with a human that had been raised differently than you. Right, which you guys talk about mm-hmm. that. Something yeah. you wished you had known before stepping into marriage or something you guys, yeah, hadn't yeah. fully covered yet. Yeah. That I, was uncovered. Yeah, yeah, what didn't occur to me is that not everybody is OCD as <laughs> me. And I'm like, why isn't she doing things the right way? And I wish I had realized that he was so OCD. That would have been helpful. Right. No, and I'm like, who doesn't color coordinate their closet, <laughs> right? How yeah. come she doesn't fold socks, you know? And it was... Just so you know, as I picked out your outfit for this, after, this right. evening, I uh, put all your clothes back uncoordinated. Oh, uh, I'll fix them. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's 
so. So it's one of the things that I've really had to grow to love right. about her because, oh my God, it would torment me. Yeah. And I'm like, why is there a clothes bomb in our room? You had to like unlearn things. Uh huh. Right. I, I mean, I had to learn to be considerate and he had to learn to give grace. Um, so I do, I do remember though, like, I mean, it's so silly because usually, like, you're, well, no, it's the first year, so you do have silly fights, but I made, he made me cry over not, um, taking out the coffee filter. Yeah. That was yeah. Just, I'm like, what yeah, is this like I made nonsense? coffee and then didn't yeah. throw out the coffee oh filter. <laughs> yeah, so it's usually like those little nitpicky yeah. things, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so what have you guys learned about God's heart toward marriage as mm-hmm. you've been married? So much. Oh, me? Yeah. I don't know. You always Very, Go ahead. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, just so much. Um, I My favorite part about it is that I've experienced God's love through you. And um, you guys talked about forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And having to probably learn that even mm-hmm. more so, right, through marriage. Because mm-hmm. you guys have been married now, you said... Five years. Five years, mm-hmm. right? Um, would you guys have anything to say to someone that's in marriage and they're in a hard spot? Have you guys ever, mm-hmm. like, been in that kind of a spot where there's hurdles to kind of get over or... I think one of God's blessings in our relationship is that we dealt with most of that before we got married. Right. Like, and I think that is... It's funny because awesome. people people laugh a lot because sometimes when I share our testimony, Drea literally gave me books to read and made me do book reports. And people snicker and laugh and it's like, oh, <laughs> she had you whipped. And I'm like, you're darn right. Yeah, um, and there was good reason for it. And you kind of can tell in part one. I miss book reports. Right. <laughs> that was fun. And so she was like, hey, read. Um, Joshua Harris has a couple of good books, Boy Meets Girl and I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and she had me read those. And for women only, I think there's one called For Men Only as well. Uh-huh. And uh, her dad had given me a couple of books to read, uh, and The Five, five love, love Languages. languages. Yeah, that was and a big one for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And so a lot of that came before me. So we were kind of implementing things yeah. that... Well, so those things are what they taught us how to, after marriage, right. deal with like forgiveness. And um, I think... The struggle the, is learning how to implement those things right. effectively yeah. so in a way that communicates to love to somebody else. It. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, as far as forgiveness goes and like overcoming like things, um, I think that we learned that we're fighting for each other. Right. Like and not against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like, you know, players are playing a game. They're on a team. They're, um, they're not fighting against each other. Right. You know, so the com- the goal is um, resolution, and then that's when we both win. And um, so just remembering that we're on the same team. And we decided that early on in our marriage, too, because we did have a couple of crazy fights. And what we really had to come to the conclusion is, is there a conclusion to this fight, or are we just going to yell at each other? And so mm-hmm. we decided early on that if, if we're not going to come to a mutually beneficial conclusion to this fight, then why are we fighting? Right. And just like Drea said, there has to be... You have to come to some kind of agreement, right. whether, you know, the disagreement, so what? So you mm-hmm. disagree, you're humans, you're not going to agree with everybody. Right. And so we, we decided early on that if, we, if we're going to argue about something, there's going to be a beneficial conclusion to it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. So last question, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't promise. But what have you guys learned about what love is? Because we see things mm-hmm. that promote Mm-hmm. so many different things about what love is have you guys you guys have shared like just the demonstration of Christ's love and mm-hmm. what that means for you guys how have you guys seen that expressed maybe through one another um through marriage or how would you define that mm-hmm. if you can okay so I would define it as like the best thing ever like the most incredible experience but also like the hardest thing mm-hmm. in the world both at the same time mm-hmm. Um, because love is an action and the actions are not always the easiest or the funnest. Um, oftentimes they're really, really hard, but the fruit of those actions, um, they're really sweet. So both, it's both, it's so hard, but it's also so incredible. Well, one of the things I've seen through marriage or what love is, is just God's redemption and his grace and his patience with me especially because I used to tell Drea I don't know how to love somebody Mm. and it's sometimes it's just admitting that to your wife uh, and saying I need help and for men that's particularly difficult 
and saying, I'm not sure how to make you feel loved. And we have ideas, and a lot of times it's, I bring home the bacon, so you should fry it. And great, you know, you've, you've met your minimum requirement of holding a job, okay? And that, that's not faithfulness. That, that's not, that's just minimum requirements, right? You met your prerequisites. Good for you. You don't get a point for that. That's what you're required to do. And so my ideas of loving my wife were those things, you know, I, I like... I particularly like cleaning and keeping things organized, and we mentioned OCD earlier, and so those are things that I did to try to make my wife feel loved, and what I found is that it's not working. Mm -hmm. And so I was loving past her, basically. Mm -hmm. And right, and what I had to learn to do was speak her love language in a way that communicated love significantly to her. Mm -hmm. And boy, was that difficult, because again, I came from a background where I was so good at hiding emotions, and the only emotions that I really practiced were anger and rage and violence at the time so uh learning to be gentle and kind and love somebody and be vulnerable god really had to show me his grace and patience through those things especially through my wife that he is patient he is kind he does Mm -hmm. suffer long (laughs) yeah and it's yeah uh, for me it was learning how to love somebody else in the way that god loved me yeah and it tore me to pieces. And there was times where I would just weep. And she was like, you're only doing things because I said that it makes me feel loved. And <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like well, yeah. duh, <laughs> I'm trying, uh, right? But yeah, so yeah. in a more romantic sense, like um, just like you said, learning that we don't receive love and right. experience love the same way. So um, just reading the five love languages was definitely a game changer for us. And it makes like, it makes uh, our world go around, like yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, because I could shower him with all, like, the words of affirmation and, like, give him all the snuggles, but that's not, like, his love language. His love language is acts of service, which mm-hmm. is a mine. Mine is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. So I remember when we were dating, I that's how I would love him with words. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time he was like, I feel like I give and give and give, and, like, you give, you know, nothing. And <laughs> But that's because I wasn't speaking his love language. Right. And so um, when I realized that, we both... Um, we read the book mm-hmm. and we had to really intentionally do it. So, okay, so for us, those kind of things, speaking each other's love language intentionally keeps like the romance going and like the romance alive and the sparks. Yeah. Sparking. Yeah, it keeps the sparks going. It, like, it fills your left tank. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And we do. We ask each other often, like, so how's your left tank doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. a scale of one to 10. As cheesy as it sounds, it's those things that really keep us on our honeymoon yeah Yeah. the non-romantic things like it's not romantic really to say like how's your left tank doing you know it's not like movies yeah it sounds like you guys have a really good open line of communication too yeah because communication if that's starved that's just yeah not right thriving relationship otherwise you're just coexisting in the same house yeah right yeah and i mean we have a we we serve a god who is a God of community, like a triune God, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they are constantly in communication, and God constantly wants to commune with us, Right. and um, so we were made for that, and I feel like that's when the mar- our marriage best functions, is when we just, we openly, honestly communicate, and that's when it's at its best. Yeah, it's funny because, especially when guys communicate, a lot of it has to do with your worth and value and what you do. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because we don't have cable. And so we enjoy, we're avid readers. And sometimes you're like, what do you do? Like when you go home, like you just sit there and I'm like, <laughs> no, we communicate, yeah. you know? And sometimes it's a, it's foreign, but it's something that we've grown to know and love. And there's so many times where God has spoken so clearly to my heart from something that my wife has read or said, or even just in passing. And, and there's been so many times where God's shown me how to be open and vulnerable and loving and receive love um, through my wife when mm-hmm. before that they just it wasn't part of who I was or or part of my identity and now it's you know I think is uh, Chuck Smith I heard a sermon from him and he says people see Jesus as like this lamb holding child leading and he is he's all those things but also Revelation says he's coming with a sword. He's about his business. He's a warrior, too. And a lot of times we don't see Jesus that way. But marriage is like that also in a way that, generally speaking, women are tender and kind and loving and compassionate. And part of the man's position is to be that warrior and that force that brings home the bacon and the protector. And 
you know, we are the image of Christ in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And we try to portray that as best as we can, especially in a way that is a testimony, a positive testimony to other people. And, you know, I hope that comes across in in the way that we love each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe floundering or wondering why their marriage or Mm -hmm. relationship is crumbling or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And we get poked fun all the time about how cheesy our marriage is. No, not. Yeah, we do. Well, we we do do get, yeah. I remember one of my friends, she was like, are you guys always this Mm lovey-dovey? And I'm like, yeah, actually, who we are. Right. (laughs) Because... have a testimony yeah. there's yeah. a reason you guys have right, put in exactly. the work oh my god to be honest yes it's not just yeah fluff yeah right you guys the fluff don't worked. last that long right more like you know the fluff don't last that long it doesn't well it wouldn't because you guys would all of that you'd be crumbling beneath the weight yeah. of hidden things yeah right. if you hadn't brought them to light yeah and, and now I, you can enjoy that freedom and yeah. peace because of that yeah i'm fully convinced that your marriage is going to be uh how, how intentional you are about it. And it's not this willy-nilly, it's literally the second biggest decision you're ever going to make this side of heaven. I mean, the first one is for Christ. Right. The second one is the person you choose to marry. And it's not a light decision based on you know how attractive somebody mm-hmm. is and all those things go into play. But um, emotions aside, it's, it's a very heavy and weighty decision that's for life. And I think if people settle that in their hearts from the very beginning, there'd be a lot less divorce because it, there, there is no second chance. There's no other option. Like this is it. This is settled. It's done. It's a covenant. It's not this thing to, hey, let's have a prenup and just admit defeat before we even jump okay. into this thing. It's this is all or nothing. This is all in or we're done. Mm-hmm. And I think if people had that mindset and actually save themselves for marriage in a way that was serious enough, like, cause it is serious. It's serious business. And I think that's, that message isn't communicated right. uh, well enough, if at all. Right. Um, it's been watered down. Even in the church. Yeah. It's like a sermon or two, mm-hmm. um, a Bible study or two, but I mean, how many hours do we literally spend at church a week? Four mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but our marriage is, it's life. It's, this is life together. And it is. It's a very serious decision to make. Yeah. And uh, if you're intentional about it, it'll be incredibly blessed beyond your imagination. And it is. It's an intentional decision mm-hmm. we make every single day, every morning, yeah. uh, to pursue Christ and then to pursue each other. Yeah, intentionality goes a long way. Hmm. Well, you guys are, I can, yeah, beaming. You guys are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, in a good way. Yeah. So um, is there anything else that you guys want to close with? Or I feel like that was... Yeah. You brought it home. I like that was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this, for your support. Mm. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, of course. So if you've made it this far, you're a rock star. Thank you for hanging in there till the very end. And be sure to look out for that part two of part two with Andrea. We'll be talking to her about comparison and just some of the things we go through as women and social media. See you soon. Mm-hmm.